Hello, everyone. Welcome to Minisode number 10. We are making our way through Pride Month. So today's Minisode is dedicated to another LGBT rights activist and all-around politician of the people, Harvey Milk. Some of you probably know who Harvey Milk is or was. Some of you might not know his, the full extent of his history and his um, political career, um, but I'm going to go through it in this mini-sode. Harvey Bernard Milk was born May 22, 1930, in Woodmere, New York. As a child, Harvey was teased and bullied for his ears, his nose, and his feet, but he also acted as the class clown. He played football and from an early age had a passion for opera. Through his teen years, while he had an understanding that he had homosexual tendencies, he kept it a secret because he said, quote, it would kill my parents. Harvey came from a conservative Lithuanian Jewish household. Harvey graduated from Bayshore High School here on Long Island in 1947 and then went on to study at SUNY Albany in 1951, which was then known as New York State College for Teachers. There, he received a bachelor's degree in mathematics and wrote for the college newspaper. After graduating from college, Harvey joined the United States Navy during the Korean War. However, in 1955, he was discharged from the Navy, having made the rank of lieutenant junior grade. He had said he was dishonorably discharged due to his homosexuality, though military records do not show support of this claim. But for all we know, that could just not be in the records, and maybe it is true. I mean, that was the 50s, and homosexuality was not understood, and there were laws prohibiting it. So he very well may have been discharged because of his homosexuality. In 1956, Harvey met the man who he would be in his longest relationship with, Joe Campbell. They moved in together in New York, but soon became bored of their life here and moved to Dallas, Texas. Unfortunately, they were unhappy there as well and moved back to New York where their relationship took a turn. After about six years together, they broke up. Harvey had tried to keep his relationship secret from his family and employers and would often pursue other homosexual relationships in secret. He had become involved with a man named Craig Rodwell, but was not comfortable with Craig's involvement with the New York Mattachine Society. Mattachine? Not sure how to pronounce that. Um, but it was a gay rights organization. And Harvey ended his relationship with Craig due to Craig's tendency to be confrontational with police at the time. After that relationship, Harvey became involved with Jack Gallen McKinley and recruited him to work on Barry Goldwater's 1964 presidential campaign. And Goldwater was a conservative Republican, 
which is what political party Harvey had affiliated with at that time. But their relationship soon ended. These early years of Harvey's life were not necessarily the man Harvey really was, but what he thought he should be. And the liberation movements of the late 60s and early 70s really transitioned Harvey into becoming what he believed he really truly should be. So in 1972, Harvey moved to San Francisco, which was a major port city that had become home to a large number of gay men who had been kicked out of the military. These men decided to stay in the city rather than go back to their homes and risk being ridiculed for their sexuality and for the discharge from the military. By 1969, the Kinsey Institute actually believed San Francisco had more gay people per capita than any other American city. And this is where Harvey's shift in politics began. One day in 1973, a state politician entered Harvey's camera shop and informed him that he owed $100 as a deposit for state sales tax. Harvey became angered and enlightened and began shouting about rights of business owners. He complained for a week at state offices and the deposit was finally reduced from $100 to $30. He was also angered about government priorities when a teacher entered his store to borrow a projector because the equipment at the schools didn't work. His political career was forming and he decided then was the time to run for city supervisor. He said, quote, I finally reached the point where I knew I had to become involved or shut up. Through Harvey's campaigns, he became more and more of the man he was supposed to be. His flamboyant speeches and media savvy provided him with a lot of press during the election. Unfortunately, though, he did not win this election. But it did put even more of a fire under him because he truly wanted to make change happen. And in 1976, Harvey was appointed to the Board of Permit Appeals by Mayor George Moscone. This made Harvey Milk the first openly gay city commissioner in the United States history. But more and more, Harvey wanted to grow even further in his political career and considered a run for California State Assembly. He spent five weeks on the board and then was fired when he announced he was going to run for State Assembly. Harvey's activism made great headway during this campaign as he tried to illustrate to his constituents that if they were to come out of the closet, public perception of gay individuals would be improved. He wanted to show that the LGBT community was full of love, kindness, compassion, helpfulness, and good. But again, a loss came Harvey's way. But during this time, 17 candidates from the Castro District of San Francisco entered the next race for supervisor, and more than half of them were gay. Harvey paved the way for these individuals to stand up and fight and truly try to make a difference in an important way. During this campaign, Harvey was quoted as saying, We want gays to represent gays. I represent the gay street people. 
we have to make up for hundreds of years of persecution. And on November 8th, 1977, Harvey Milk finally won, winning by 30% against 16 other candidates. He became a member of the San Francisco Board of Supervisors. He began his career as supervisor by sponsoring a civil rights bill that outlawed discrimination based on sexual orientation, and it passed. In 1978, the Briggs Initiative, which was a proposed law that would have made firing gay teachers and any public school employee who supported gay rights, mandatory. While John Briggs gained extreme support for this, also known as Proposition 6, Harvey Milk vehemently opposed it, campaigning against the bill throughout the state. And we have to remember that this is the 70s, and while gay rights were becoming more and more realistic, the LGBT community was still ridiculed and punished for being themselves. They were still looked down on as second-class citizens, but Harvey was really trying to change that perception. Attendance in the gay pride parades during 1978 in Los Angeles and San Francisco became even greater than in years past. And some liked to attribute that to Briggs and his new initiative and all the press that was surrounding it. But I think it's just because Harvey really showed the people that they could come out and they could fight and it's better to be with your community and show that support within your community to fight against things like Proposition 6. I don't necessarily think it was just because the press was showing so much of this proposed bill. I think it was the fight against it. At this event in San Francisco, Harvey held a sign saying, I'm from Woodmere, New York, and offered up his most famous speech, dubbed the Hope Speech. In it, he said, quote, On this anniversary of Stonewall, I ask my gay sisters and brothers to make the commitment to fight for themselves, for their freedom, for their country. We will not win our rights by staying quietly in our closets. We are coming out to fight the lies, the myths, the distortions. We are coming out to tell the truths about gays, for I am tired of the conspiracy of silence. So I'm going to talk about it. And I want you to talk about it. You must come out, come out to your parents, your relatives. On November 10th, 1978, Dan White resigned from the Board of Supervisors. 17 days later, on November 27th, 1978, Moscone had planned a press conference to announce who would be replacing White on the board. A half hour prior to the press conference, White entered City Hall through a basement window in order to avoid metal detectors. He headed straight to Moscone's office, where he shot Moscone in the shoulder and chest, and twice in the head. On his way to his former office, he ran into Harvey and asked him to step inside with him. He then shot Harvey five times, including twice in the head. Harvey Milk was only 48 years old when he was assassinated.
on May 21, 1979, White was acquitted of the first-degree murder charge, but was found guilty of voluntary manslaughter for both Muscone and Harvey. He was sentenced to seven and two-thirds years, but his sentence was reduced to only five years. Despite the horrific acts of this one man, Harvey Milk's legacy is able to live on. He was a gay rights activist, a community gatherer, and a true politician in every sense of what a politician should really be. Someone who is elected to serve the people. Harvey was included in Time Magazine's 100 Heroes and Icons of the 20th Century as a symbol of what gays can accomplish and the dangers they face in doing so. His nephew, Stuart Milk, accepted the Presidential Medal of Freedom from former President Obama in August 2009 on behalf of Harvey for his contribution to the gay rights movement. In 2012, Harvey was inducted into the Legacy Walk, which is an outdoor public display celebrating LGBT history and people. And in June 2019, he was also one of the inaugural 50 American pioneers, trailblazers, and heroes inducted on the National LGBTQ Wall of Honor within the Stonewall National Monument at the Stonewall Inn. And maybe the best of all is the Harvey Milk Foundation. From their website, milkfoundation.org, they say, quote, As a not-for-profit global organization, our program goals to empower local, regional, national, and global organizations so that they may fully realize the power of Harvey Milk's story, style, and collaborative relationship building are as large and bold as Harvey taught us. The foundation, through Harvey's dream for a just tomorrow, envisions governments that celebrate the rich and universally empowering diversity of humanity, where all individuals, gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgendered, racial, and ethnic minorities, the elderly, the young, the disabled, all who had been excluded, can fully participate in all societal rights without exception. Harvey Milk will live on through his courage and kindness, showing the world it is okay to express who you are and stand up for what you believe. And I believe that we could all stand to be a little more like Harvey Milk. And that concludes Minisode 10, a little bit about Harvey Milk. I hope you enjoyed it. And I hope that you will possibly leave us a review and maybe make that a five-star review. And if you would like, you can send us any stories that you want us to talk about on Blackbird. Um, you can email us at blackbirdadvocacy at gmail.com or you can DM us on Instagram at blackbirdadvocacy. And if you ever want to talk... I am usually around on Instagram, so you can definitely DM us there and just have a chat. If you need information, resources, I'm there to provide. And as always, the show notes will have all the references for this episode, so you can see for yourself what the Milk Foundation is all about. And we'll be back this weekend with a brand new episode. Thanks, guys.